uh, Children's Church. I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 19. We have, on Communion Sundays, we've been uh, looking at the seven last words of Christ. This is the fifth of those sayings. We've got two more to go. And uh, today we're going to think about one of the ones that would seem to be somewhat mundane, but really is packed with uh, very, very great significance. We're going to look at John 19, 28 through 29. Let's pray before we read. Father, we do ask that you would, by your Holy Spirit, illuminate our minds and our hearts so that we can see and grasp and understand the things that are written here in your word. Lord, we pray that uh, the the time that we meditate upon this would help us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of Christ. Lord, we want to become uh, better disciples of yours. Uh, maybe there are people here who uh, uh, don't know you. We pray, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to them. Lord, we just pray that you would work in all of us. Meet us where we are. You know our longings and our desires, Lord. We pray that we would find grace to find them in you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. May God bless the reading and hearing of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. Well, I enjoy reading books about uh, naval wars, especially the Napoleonic Wars, the time in the early 1800s, about around the time that century turned, uh, where Britain and France were fighting with one another and the old sailing ships. And from time to time you'll read about uh, a shipwreck or someone being stranded on a deserted island. And these poor sailors would be without fresh water. And what a desperate situation that is for a human being. They literally, you literally die of thirst, and they would have to go to extreme, uh, extreme measures in order to find fresh water to drink or they would die. Now most of us, thankfully, have never been in a situation like that where we were so thirsty we thought we might die. But it's certainly we can understand how bad that would be. Uh, we all have that experience of thirst. It's a universal human experience. But most of us know that shortly, even if we get very thirsty, that we can have access to fresh drinking water uh, in, a, in a shorter period of time, and, and that's a good thing. But we, uh, we know how good it is to have our thirst quenched. You know, just think of being outside on a hot summer day, working in the yard, and, and how good it is to get a, a cool, fresh drink of water uh, after laboring in the hot sunshine for a while. Of course, when we're thirsty, we're physically deprived of moisture, of, of fluids. But we can also use that term metaphorically to, to, re, uh, to refer to thirst. 
We can talk about being deprived of something for which we're longing inside our souls. For example, a person might thirst for the love and affection of another human being. Uh, we, we see this uh, type of imagery used in the Psalms. Psalm 42, for example, talks about a thirst for God. Uh, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so, my, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Well, in the text before us today, Jesus says, I thirst. And at first glance, as I said before, this would seem uh, kind of a mundane statement compared to the other statements like we looked at last month. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or what we'll look at next time. Uh, It is finished. That great statement that Jesus makes uh, to talk about the end of sin and the, the securing of our redemption. But as we look at this, and we understand certainly Jesus was physically thirsty from all that he was going through and had been through. But we can also understand that, that not only was Jesus just thirsty from the physical suffering that he was enduring, but, but also in that metaphorical sense, he thirsted in his soul because he was deprived of something there for a time. And when we think about these ideas together uh, and what Jesus was enduring on the cross and that he was thirsting in his physical uh, in his, in his body and in his soul, it brings the profundity to what Jesus was doing and saying. And I want to look, first of all, at his physical suffering and the fact that he was thirsty. Of course, somebody who was being crucified would be thirsty. Uh, he would have been exhausted. He would have lost a lot of blood from being uh, beaten and whipped and then nailed to a cross. He would have gotten dehydrated. Jesus physically suffered as any human being would. He was indeed a man. And what makes this extraordinary is that he is also God. He is the one God-man, fully human, fully divine. And he became a man, God became a man, took on human flesh so that he could identify with humanity and do something about the plight of a broken people living in a broken world. I have a number of friends who have moved into bad neighborhoods in order to try to help restore the neighborhood and to bring change and help and hope to those places. And that's really what Jesus did. He moved into a bad neighborhood to try to fix it. There's a lot of bad people in the neighborhood, and that neighborhood is planet Earth. And Jesus came to Earth. He took on human flesh in order to fix the sin problem there. So you see what Jesus is doing here. He is, he is physically suffering, but not for his own sin, not for, for anything that he had done. He's suffering in the place of sinners like you and I, you and me. You and I deserve that punishment that Jesus bore. We deserve to be beaten. We deserve to be whipped until our backs bleed. And we deserve to be executed for our sins against God. We are the ones who should be saying, I thirst. And we see here in the sufferings of Jesus a very vivid picture of how heinous our sin really is. That God himself had to come and suffer there in our place. But Jesus suffers there. He thirsts there so we don't have to thirst. 
as the writer, as the prophet Isaiah says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Because that iniquity was laid upon Christ, he suffered for sin there. He has not forsaken us. God has not forsaken his people. When you look at the great length he has gone to save us. Look at how much he loves sinful people. Paul tells the Romans, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And maybe you doubt his love today. Uh, I know a lot of people find it hard to believe that God cares and loves them, especially when they're going through suffering. When they're suffering maybe physically, they're suffering in their soul, and they're going through difficult times. But we can understand this as we look at what Jesus says here today. We have a Savior who himself suffered. He entered into our suffering. And he can identify with what you're going through because he's gone through suffering like we will never have to go through. And that points us to the next thing that, uh, that, that we're going to look at in a moment, that Jesus suffered not only physically but in his soul. But because he understands suffering, he, he took it on, he can identify with us, and we can go to him with confidence that he, he understands where we're coming from. Again, the prophet Isaiah says, When the poor and needy seek water, and there is none, and their tongue is parched with thirst, I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. What a comfort that is. And Jesus did this on purpose. You know, John 19.28 tells us that Jesus said, I thirst in order to fulfill the scriptures that, that prophesied about the physical sufferings that, that the Messiah, Jesus Christ, would endure. Psalm 22, uh, my strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. And again, Psalm 69, for my thirst they gave me sour wine to drink. See, all of this that Jesus is enduring is fulfilling prophecy about him hundreds and hundreds of years before it happened. So Jesus was conscious of what he was doing. It wasn't simply fate or bad luck that brought him to the cross. It was the purposeful, obedient submission to the plan of redemption to become a sacrifice for sinners. He willingly suffered on the cross there, submitting to this extreme physical pain. And it was his joy to do it. The writer of Hebrews tells us that it was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross and despised the shame of it. And notice that he's about to say it is finished. We'll look at that next month. But he has just said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We'll talk about that in a moment, what he was enduring there. But, but having paid for sin on the cross and suffering there, we talked about last month, then he stops and, and says, I thirst, and they give him something to drink. You know, often when we're, we're working outside, we stop in the middle of the job to drink some water. 
But Jesus doesn't stop for refreshment until the work is done. He's getting a drink so he can make that final proclamation that it is finished. And that's what it says there. We just read it. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, sin was paid for on the cross there. And he's going to make that proclamation. He wants to make it loud. So he gets some water in order to be able to speak clearly. It is finished. So Jesus did this, and he did not stop for refreshment until it was finished. And it shows his great love for us. But Jesus, as I said, not only suffered physically, he also suffered spiritually. And that's the second point I want to make, that when he says, I thirst, it points to his spiritual sufferings as well. As bad as what Jesus endured on the cross physically, what he endured spiritually was infinitely worse. The physical pain was just the tip of the iceberg, a mere flea bite compared to the suffering in his soul. Now, of course, as I said before, Jesus certainly said, I thirst, because he was, needed something to drink. He was physically thirsty. But, in, but undoubtedly, Jesus also experienced a thirst in his soul. Like I said before, we use that word thirst to indicate a, a yearning, a longing, or, or a desperate desire. We experience thirst when we are deprived of fluids. We experience an inner thirst when we are deprived of something we need and long for. For example, we might be thirsty for the companionship of a loved one when we are lonely. But Jesus was thirsting for something and yearning for something in his soul because he experienced something on the cross uh, that was very painful to him in his soul. And that was being separated, abandoned by his heavenly Father. We talked a bit about it last month. But as we think about human relationships, even human relationships, you know, if, uh, if we have a stranger approach us and say, I, I, I don't ever want to talk to you again. I never want to see you again. And they're, they're a perfect stranger. You go, okay. <laughs> we'll leave each other's presence and I'll, I'll just think you're a crazy person. If a friend comes up to us and says, I don't ever want to see you again, I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore, that would hurt us. If our spouse or one of our children says that to us, that is devastating. See, the, the closeness of the relationship ramps up the pain factor. Well, you think about the Holy Trinity. We, we can't grasp it fully, but Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for all eternity, were in perfect relationship with one another, perfect loving fellowship with one another. Don't understand exactly how that works. But on the cross, the Father poured out His wrath on the Son, and that fellowship was broken, and that's why He cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was fulfilling Scripture by saying that. He knew exactly why the Father had forsaken Him. He took on human sin, and the Father poured His wrath out on it for us. But he's indicating that this eternal relationship was broken and certainly that I thirst that he says is an indicative that he has a longing for that relationship with the Father. And his thirst will be quenched. He will rise from the dead and he will go and ascend to heaven and be at the right hand of the Father. On the cross, for the first time in eternity, the Son was separated from the Father. And this was for us. 
Why did he endure this separation? Why did he endure the wrath of the Father? It was for sinners like you and me. He experienced hell on the cross. When you look at the scriptures and what it says about hell, it's described in one way as an eternal fire. You you know, when the sheep and the goats, the the parable that Jesus told in Matthew 25, uh, when he addresses the goats, he says, Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. The eternal fire. And then uh, Jesus also told a parable about a rich man and a poor man named Lazarus, and the rich man ends up in hell. And the rich man says this as he sees Lazarus there with Abraham in heaven. He says, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. You see, Jesus went thirsty on the cross, so we would not have to. He was enduring hell on the cross, the fire, the eternal fire that we deserve on the cross in his soul as he endured the wrath of the Father for our sins. And he was thirsty for sure because of that. He could say with the psalmist there, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. See, we have an inner thirst as humans. You know, we all long for certain things. And, And we run after many things trying to fulfill that thirst, to, to quench that thirst. But the problem is that, that often we pursue things that are, that are earthly and temporary and they satisfy us for a time, but they don't, the, the satisfaction does not last and our search continues and continues. Thirst for God, for home, for love, all these thirsts we have, for companionship, for peace. We can only find those things in Christ. We can only find it by finding our satisfaction in Him and our thirst quenched in Christ. Trying to find that thirst quenched in things of this world will always leave us thirsty because those things are temporary. But when we find it in God, who is eternal, who is our creator, our thirst is quenched. Our inner longing is quenched because, number one, he made us for himself. We are created to glorify him and enjoy him, to be in relation to him. And when we're not in relation with him, we're, we're looking for something to fulfill that void and that thirst And we're constantly on the search because nothing satisfies except that thing that fits there, that quenches that thirst. Because of what Jesus did, suffering for us once and for all on the cross, he is able to say, to make a a public announcement, to say, whoever believes in me shall never thirst. John chapter 6. And in John chapter 7, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. See, only in relationship with Christ can our deepest human longings be satisfied. Receive Christ today. Invite him into your life. Embrace him as your Lord and Savior. And have that thirst quenched. And we will look forward to the day that is described in Revelation chapter 7. 
They shall hunger no more. These are the people who are with, with the Lord forever. The new heavens and new earth. They shall hunger no more. Neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them. Nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. What a great encouragement and promise that is. One to look forward to. In the meantime, let us place our hope in Christ alone for all that we long for, because he is everything that we need. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for giving us these encouraging words. Thank you for providing your word to us that we can meditate upon. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to consider these things truly and as we encounter the temptation to run to things of this world for joy and peace and satisfaction, help us to remember that our only true satisfaction is found in you through Christ. Lord, we pray that you would uh, open our eyes to see uh, the problems that we create in our lives when we pursue that satisfaction in things of this world. And Lord, give us patience and, and uh, a true hope that's an anchor for the soul, to, to look forward to that day when, when Christ returns and all of creation is redeemed and we're with him in the new heavens and new earth and we do experience that, that never hungering or thirsting again and not crying but only joy in your presence. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.